Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour, and today is Thursday, March 16th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland, Aramaic, Forgiveness. If you do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you choose to tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it intends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they apply these tools in their lives. And secondarily, it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, please do so. Give us a call at 563-999-3581. Call that number. Press 1 on your phone. It will put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I will turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. And we can have a conversation. We greatly appreciate whenever people do that because it tends to make it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work 
Our intention with this work is to be a service. And that's something that's far easier for us to do when we know what's working for you, what would serve you better today, how are you uh, sitting with questions or feeling stuck in, in terms of using these tools in your life or how to apply these tools in a particular situation. Any comments or questions like that are greatly valued by us because, as I said, it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention and be of service. So, um, alternatively, if you're not listening live or you don't want to have uh, a live conversation, you can send us an email, tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. Or you can email Jeannie at J-E-A-N-I-E at whyagain.org. And when we receive those messages, we will address them on the Internet show and then as time allows, send you a notice about what day and time it was addressed and you can listen back to the archives for the feedback. Either way works well. Um, Most of the best sessions that we've had that have been singled out in the archives as best of sessions the vast majority of them come from people who are calling in just like you regular people looking to find some answers get some assistance in a particularly difficult situation and so if you have any comments or questions for us please let us know last year we worked through the way of mastery in quite a bit of detail and this year we've made the commitment to at least make the space for more worksheet processes to be done um, during the radio show time either live on the show or having people review and get feedback about worksheets they've done between sessions between internet shows so if you have any of that that you would like to share with us or get feedback on, please give us a call. It is a Thursday, and that means that we'll have a support group again tonight. And all of the information you would need to join us absolutely free is available at the MindShiftersAcademy.org website. So please either feel free to join us and or pass that information along to somebody you think might get value from it. You may go there and please remember there's a separate login information page for Tuesday and a separate one for Thursday. And um, as as life is unfolding, we're still doing them each Tuesday and Thursday. as my grandmother would say, God willing and the creek don't rise. So feel free to take advantage of that while it still lasts. I feel like some kind of a used car salesman. Saying while it still lasts. But everything has its time and its season, as they say. For whatever reason, I just flashed on the book by... um I think it's Henry Cloud, 
Dr. Cloud, Necessary Endings. And, um, you know, the idea of recognizing that in order for things to stay healthy, there has to be a flow. There has to be change. There has to be the death and decay and the regrowth and And if something isn't working and you don't acknowledge that and allow it to or assist it in coming to closure and ending, then you you defeat a system. You defeat a healthy system. You promote decay and disease. And so um, I think I've mentioned this before that Dr. Cloud, Cloud and Townsend identified as Christian uh, coaches, teachers, therapists, whatever. And so um, there was a lot of uh, pressure on them to not give advice to people to end a marriage or end a relationship for various reasons, um, mostly religious in nature. So he wrote this book about, uh, from a corporate perspective, and highlighting the idea that, um, you know, when you have employees and when you have projects at work and all of this other stuff, that there are going to be times when it's necessary to recognize the need for a change and an ending. And so... um, he gave some lip service uh, at different points in the book to the fact that, of course, it might also happen in a relationship, but there was that uh, fine line he had to walk between acknowledging that some relationships are so unhealthy and unproductive and or abusive that it's better to end them rather than to maintain them at all costs. Whether or not you've you know, sworn an oath in front of a a priest or a judge or whatever, and um, and that's a challenge for a lot of people because that's uh, it's never fun, it's always difficult, and yet it may be the only thing that allows the flow, the growth, um, the Um, the planting of new seeds that can grow into something healthier and more loving and more productive. And you can't have that growth for positivity and and productivity if you're holding on to that which doesn't work and or which is abusive and or which is, as he's talked about in that book for people, perhaps it's just not a good fit for this employee and their skill set and this particular job posting. And so it doesn't, you know, there doesn't have to be attack and abuse and ridicule. There there can be just recognition that, you know what, this job and its requirements are pulling on uh, areas that you don't have strengths in and or is, you know, really, really 
hitting hard on your areas of weakness as a person and it's just not a good it isn't fair to you or the people in the in the other people in the company to continue in that position because your needs aren't getting met as an employee you're not able to exercise your strengths and you're not able to get support for those things that you might call weaknesses or shortcomings and the people who need you the services that you're supposed to be providing within that job they aren't getting their needs met so rather than being um a useful thing to say you know stay with it and at all costs and grind through it and make sure you never give up and never surrender and whatever that galaxy quest quote was that's not always healthy and that's certainly not always productive. So, um, Necessary Endings is the name of the book by, I think his name is Henry Cloud. And um, lots of good thoughts in there about how to evaluate what situation by situation, relationship by relationship, et cetera, whether or not something's working well for me. And I've talked to people for years about please do forgiveness soon and often because that's about an internal process to remove energies that don't belong in my system. Please do pardoning soon and often because that keeps me from focusing a lot of energy on things I don't have any control over. But when it comes to the idea of trust, please understand that it doesn't make any sense for me to trust somebody after they've done something that I consider really um, bad, wrong, negative, hurtful, etc. It doesn't make sense for me to trust that they won't do that again unless they've done four things. And the four things that I talk about in that little presentation are, number one, they agree with me that what they did was wrong, unhealthy, unproductive, abusive, whatever. Number two, they make amends, in, or sorry, they, they apologize in a way that I feel is sincere. They don't just give lip service to an apology. They actually think about it and they apologize in a way that I feel is sincere. The third thing is they make amends in whatever way possible. If they broke something of mine, they pay to have it repaired or replaced. If they insult me in public, they make a public apology, etc. If they have been raging in anger, they engage in some kind of a therapeutic process to get a better handle on their anger and make sure that they've got other ways to deal with it that aren't so destructive etc. And then the last piece is they make concrete changes in their lives, life or lives, to try and ensure that this pattern, this behavior, this whatever it was that I'm deeming unacceptable or abusive, that it doesn't happen again. And if someone hasn't done those things after they've done something that I think is seriously wrong, then it doesn't make any sense for me to trust that they won't do it again. Also, once they've done that, 
if I choose not to trust them, and I can, right? Trust is a gift I give. Pardoning is a gift I give. I have control over whether or not I pardon somebody or hold a grudge. Trust is a gift I give. I have control over whether or not I trust somebody, even if they are not acting in a way that I would consider is trustworthy. I can still choose to give them the benefit of a doubt and trust them again. However, if I do that before they've done these four things, or even though they haven't done these four things, then when they do the same hurtful or abusive or disrespectful thing again, I'm responsible for letting that occur in an interaction with me. And I am frequently coaching people to try and set boundaries that exclude limits, that exclude repeated abuse, I meant to say, not exclude limits, but to set boundaries with their words and their behavior in alignment with each other and to set the boundary, which is to send an effective communication to whoever's involved about what you think is acceptable and not acceptable. That's my definition of a boundary. The other people don't have to share that boundary. They don't have to share that definition. They don't have to share that label of things as certainly being acceptable or unacceptable. My working definition for a boundary is everything I say and do that communicates effectively to people about what I think is acceptable and not acceptable. Sometimes people hear that and they say, oh, that's exciting. I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to start sending really clear messages to people. I'm going to tell people what I think is acceptable and not acceptable. And that's when I slow it down and I come back and I say, now remember, one of the parts about this that most people really don't like is the fact that everything I say and do communicates to the people around me about what I think is acceptable and not acceptable. So any little inconsistency between my words and behaviors tells people with my behavior, not necessarily my words, what I really value and what I really will tolerate or what I really will do with my own actions that may not have very much to do at all with the values and priorities and morals and ethics that I claim to have with my words. And that's a real tough pill for a lot of people to swallow. So as I try to work with my life and my interactions with people, I work a lot on trying to make sure that my actions and words are lined up because that's the only way I can build credibility And my credibility is quite literally the most powerful tool that I have in dealing with another human being. And if my credibility, another way to say that is, the degree to which people can be assured that I will follow through and do the things I say I will do, the degree to which it's easy for people to believe that I will do the things I say I will do. That's my credibility. 
and that is directly influenced by how often or inoften and frequently I line up my words and my actions to be in accord with each other. And every time I say something that I either cannot and or will not do, it eats away at my credibility. So if you want to improve the quality of your life and your relationships, I strongly recommend active attention to this process of making my words and actions line up and be in accord so that my credibility grows and is strengthened. And then, if I've been doing that for a good enough while, then when I say to somebody, you know what, I really don't want to be around somebody who you know, tells off-color jokes in mixed company or who holds intensely hateful or racist beliefs or whatever, then when they hear me say that, they are confident that either I'm going to leave any situation where that kind of behavior is happening or the people who are doing that kind of behavior are going to need to change they're part of the pattern to maintain a relationship with me. And it's okay if they don't. I mean, I need, as I said before, as I've given this presentation, one of the key things about this is all that really needs to happen here is I need to be willing to live with whatever consequences develop as I say and do what I think is in align with my values and priorities. So if I say to somebody, hey, if you don't stop that, I'm going to have to leave, and I leave, and they say, oh, well, that was so rude that I'm going to withdraw from this business deal with you. I need to be willing to have them withdraw from that business deal. I don't, if I don't have control over it, and there's a chance they may get offended and change other aspects of our relationship, as long as I'm willing to deal with those consequences, it's perfectly okay for me to say, this is, this is acceptable to me and this is not acceptable. And it isn't about what's right or wrong. It's about what I am willing to have in my life as, a, as an active presence. So, call in number is 563-999-3581. We've got about 35 or 36 minutes left. What does this little talk about trust and about boundaries bring up for you? What's what's on your mind? How might we deepen this conversation or turn the corner into something that's more relevant to you? Code six one zero. I believe this is Susan. Hi, Doctor Tim. You're right. It's like synchronicity is at work again today. Um, I have had a goal that my one of my grandsons, who's been, you know, been through mental hospital visits and had a psychotic break, uh, is coming around. He 
has been sober now for 51 days. His older brother has been sober for about four months now or maybe more. But a very intense issue came up about money. He wants to be an actor. He doesn't think he's going to ever be able to make enough money to be to live very comfortably. He's all already talking about how he's going to probably have to live with his mother and stepfather when he finishes school. And Tim Bingham has been paying for both an apartment and his tuition and his meal plan and his car park and his veterinary bills because he has a support cat who is a wonderful beast for him to have. In any case, one of the two of the conditions that we made with him is that he would be civil, polite. He could argue with us but not get insulting and swear and call us all kinds of nasty names and that um, he would go sober. He would stop using weed and alcohol. At first, he didn't stop the weed and alcohol, and my husband and I continued paying the bills. And that's a very gray area, but we had just what you said. You have to be ready to to lose that job. Well, we weren't, we shouldn't have laid those rules because we weren't, we didn't have the guts to say, all right, your tuition is withdrawn, you're on your own. And I, I'm not asking you about that, but what has happened is he was really doing well. Being sober steadied him a lot, and he became what I thought was going to be a really productive young man, whether earning enough money or not wasn't the issue. He was polite to us. He was appreciative. He was logical. And then in the past week, an issue about an inheritance has come up, and it's complicated, and it's really none of his business. It hasn't got anything to do directly with him. It's some money that his mother is supposed to come into, and she may not, and he's gone into a panic and feels as if he is being deprived of something he deserves and that his mother's being punished for this, that, or the other. And he has been extremely rude and very time-consuming. He's been texting me, and if I don't answer, he's insulting. And here I am saying, well, this is a boy I'm going to love forever, hold a loving space, even though I'm angry with him. But I'm more, I'm more afraid for him and terribly disappointed. It looks as if he's not as well as I thought he was. <clears throat> but when you have a tie like that with someone, if he were, if he were a friend, I would just distance myself. I'm, and, it, and he has apologized to us, and with apologies that seem sincere. But his father used to do the same things, these most heartfelt, even tearful apologies, and how he knows he does that. And he, he's so sorry for the pain he has caused, but then he does it again. And this boy is turning out just like his father. And so... I'm just sitting on this and doing a lot of breathing, (laughs) mainly. Um, I have a goal for him to be well, and that goal keeps, like whack-a-mole, it keeps popping back up. 
<clears throat> but I don't feel as if I have any real strategies. I have strategies to stay okay myself. I guess the issue is I I keep I have the goal of being able to help help him get well again, and I don't think I can do that anymore. And I I guess I thought I could well, because but, he was know, having that having that goal is okay. Remember, in this work, it's not that I cancel a goal because the goal is bad or wrong. Right. But oh, I, I cancel yeah. a goal if when I hold that goal and it's set in my mind, I have the experience resonated inside me from my interpretation of events, etc., that generates a negative emotional state or a hurt or an upset or a fear or a confusion, whatever you want to call it. And so I don't cancel the goal because it's bad. Right. I cancel the goal so I can clean up whatever's going on inside me and the dynamic within me that's creating my emotions that's off the mark and doesn't leave me feeling loving. And then after I do that, then I'm perfectly free to reset that goal again and to actively yeah. work toward that goal with whatever I might have control over. Mm-hmm. The other thing I that jumped out at me when you were talking about was that you said this boy is turning out just like his father. And he's not just like mm-hmm. his father. Although he might have some behavior patterns that are very similar, he's not uh-huh. the same person his father was. He had two different parents. He grew up with different friends and life influences. And he's got the role modeling that was done by his mother and his father and his grandparents in them. And those are all different than the role models that his father had. So, you know, he is different, even though he might generate some very similar behavior patterns. Mm-hmm. So when you have a thought like he is just like his father, pay attention to what emotion you generate in response to that conclusion. Right. And if it's Good. anything negative, put it on a worksheet and dismantle it or do EFT tapping sessions to dismantle it so that you're not adding that negative emotional energy to the mix as you think about him, as you talk with him, as you send him energetic, you know, thoughts of love and acceptance. If it's tainted with that upset, that fear, that doom and gloom, it's never going to be as useful as if it's clean and pure and loving. Ooh, good to be reminded. He and I have and had a power person. Things. Go ahead. He and I have had a power person what? Talk. I've, you know, during this period of his really getting sober and healing, <clears throat> he talked about his temper. And I said, well, you learned that. You, you know, he, his father has a diagnosis of bipolar. And, I, you know, none of us wants to say those are cast in stone. But he asked me, do you think I'm bipolar? I said, no, but you do some things that bipolar people sometimes do, and one of them is to fly off the handle and go out the side of a circle of normal civility. Suddenly you're in outer space, you're unreachable, and uh, you're verbally violent, maybe physically violent. Very dark mood comes over you. And he said, yeah, my dad does that. And I said, well, you learned that. And so you could even say, this isn't me. 
I learned it from my dad. It's kind of my default when I'm under stress, but I don't have to do this anymore. And he really seemed to get that. And maybe he'll get it again. That's the kind of thinking. You're right. I have to start um, catastrophizing. (laughs) That's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So what were you going to say? I don't quite remember right now. I think your your okay. your your point is good that you know if anybody who's willing to learn about their patterns, whether you want to label it a power person dynamic or you want to label it some kind of cognitive behavioral therapy or dialectical behavioral therapy, whatever you want to call it, anybody who's willing to learn about their patterns can benefit from understanding their patterns and then applying correction to them because these are just patterns, as you said. These things are not cast in stone. I have had too many people. I've lost completely lost count of the people that have come into my practice over the years with the label of bipolar, and when they're willing to work and learn about how they create emotions and what their patterns of belief are and what their trauma energies are and how they get triggered by the interpretations those people choose and place on life events. When they learn that stuff and start applying tools, they no longer have the patterns of symptoms that would get them the label bipolar. Mm, And a number of people, a number of people, get maintained on a minimal level of different medications, whether it's anti-anxiety or anti-depression or anti-seizure or whatever, and many of them stop taking meds altogether, and they just Mm. work with really good gut biome pre- and probiotics and, you know, dietary restrictions that keep them away from foods that they're highly sensitive to or that provoke, you know, inflammation or irritation in the brain, et cetera. And you, if if you look at what is taught in the traditional psychiatric realm, that's not possible because what yeah. was taught was that this is an intractable chronic problem that gets worse over time that, you know, has to do with a brain chemistry imbalance or whatever. And... None of that's been proven. As a matter of fact, there's enough evidence to the opposite that it's amazing that it's still taught at all. Hmm. So, um, please understand that When you go negative, when you go into doom and gloom, that's just a thought pattern you're engaging in. That's not necessarily the truth of life for you or anybody else. I was looking at... You were looking at what? (laughs) I was looking at the, the fact that he, as a boy was told some very harsh things and he wasn't physically abused but he was 
a lot of really harsh things were said to him and his older brother, uh, annihilating, hateful things when his father was in that bad mood. And I've always thought that that verbal abuse was much worse than physical abuse. And it just dawned on me that physical abuse is emotional abuse because built into the violence of the physical abuse is the conclusion that a child would draw that they are bad, unwanted, ugly, whatever it happens to be, because you don't hit someone that you love. You don't hit an animal that you love. That's the conclusion the child would draw. So I was having such, my my husband, Tim, read all those texts. And in those texts, he was really insulting. He was calling us manipulative and how we change our minds and um, on and on, spoiled privileges. He just pulled out all the stops. And I'm showing these to Tim Bingham. And Tim said, well, these things aren't true, so what's the problem? <laughs> you know, And I say, I think part of me thinks they're true. I think part of me isn't well enough to just know how well I am. I, part of me thinks he's right, which is the way I reacted when my son-in-law called me an untrustworthy bitch one day. And I thought, God, maybe he's right. He's so smart. Now, what is that, that caving of the core of self-confidence? Well, it is, it is the internal damage from physical, mental, and emotional abuse and traumas that you've experienced over your childhood that's there to get resolved. It's the insecurity, it's the self-doubt, it's the self-loathing. You know, depending upon the person, any of those might be accurate statements, self-doubt, self-loathing, insecurity. And it's there to be accessed and removed. Mm. But if, if you don't access it and remove it, it's still there. It'll be there 60, 80, 150 years later. Right. So you, you do a lot of worksheets and you think you've removed it and then there you are reacting. So you haven't removed right. it. Right, but, but then every time you, 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 you never remove it all. And if you, if you are uh, falling prey to the trap of thinking, oh, I'm done with that, then all you've done is put a blindfold on and, and walked into an open minefield. And you're going yeah. to step on things that are going to blow up in your face. And if you mm-hmm. think, oh, I've done all my work on this, so this can't be my issue, then you're going to have every rationalization in the book to blame the people and situations around you for the upset that you're feeling. But you never get done with your issues. In my very first year of grad school, that was one of the most painful, hurtful, ridiculous, idiotic, I thought I've never heard anything more stupid in my life, things they taught us. And they said, look, as you do your work, you will uncover what we're going to call in this program your core issues, C-O-R-E, your core issues. Yeah. And they said, now, once you identify your core issues, you will take them with you to your grave. You will never be done with these issues. 
And if you mm. think you're done with these issues, it means you've decided to stay sick and unhealthy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what's the point of this work? And they said, the point of the work is that once you find out what your core issues are, you either deny that they're yours and you blame them and the effects of them on everyone and everything around you, or you actively engage tools to get better and better at dealing with your core issues. Mm. And the better you get at dealing with your core issues, the earlier you see them coming, the less disruptive they are in your life, the more you learn more and more effective ways to deal with them in different situations. And eventually, if you're really good at this and stay at it long enough, you eventually see them coming, walking down the street, you know, like an old friend. Oh, there's my insecurity, raising its ugly head again. Okay? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I know how to deal with that. I, I've, you know, I've got my tools for dealing with my insecurity. And I can understand, I can be gentle with myself about that being there because I understand some of the things that went on in my life that might have given rise to that. As opposed to beating myself up because I'm not done with it yet and what is wrong with me. I'm a psychologist with all these years of experience and I still get triggered and this is hopeless and mm. I'm helpless. and That's the only option. I either say, okay, these are my core issues and I will be working on them as long as I'm in a body or Mm-hmm. I will start blaming the effects of them on people and things around me every time they get triggered. There's no in-between. Well, I I do get that. And, I, you know, I see what my grandson's doing, and I see that I'm triggered, and I see, the, well, that, there it is again. <clears throat> I have two sets of triggers. One is he's not going to be okay. And I've always been kind of not okay. And he's pointing that out again. But I think the, the two of them together is like a pretty hard pudding. Uh, to be well, the, the, for me. The, the, the critical thing here in this discussion is to say, look, um, you can't change your grandson and whether or not he works on his issues. You can right. choose to continue to work on yours. You know, as many times as I've heard that, I need to hear it again because I still hope that if I love him enough, and that is so baloney. I've fallen in love with people and thought, if I love this person enough, this person will love me back. And it didn't cook. It didn't happen. <laughs> so... It can't happen. What? It can't happen. It cannot happen. Yeah. Right. It won't do it. Because that's that's not that's not what love is about. The love in you wakes up the love in everyone. But it didn't. And I don't think he's talking about it. It does. It does. It does. Period. Full stop. It does. Does it manifest the way your conscious logical mind tells you it should? Not always. Okay. And you might Good. even say and you might even say rarely. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's not happening. That doesn't mean there's no positive benefit. 
oh, certainly there, there is positive benefit. You're right. It didn't have the results I wanted, period. Yep. Hey, Tim, have you ever heard of a guy named Tom Nuyens? He's a Belgian uh, life coach sort of person. It's, it's not ringing a bell. Never, I never saw anything of his ever. And yet I was thinking this guy offered three free videos on reducing stress, and I thought I would listen to the first one. <clears throat> and first off, he teaches a breathing technique, which is probably very similar. It's not like still point at all. It's taking a breath through the nose, and I'm bringing this up because I've been doing it, breathing through the nose. And you know when you go, you breathe through your mouth against a mirror in order to wipe the mirror of, off, yeah. smudges off mirrors. Like right. He says, inhale through the nose and use your diaphragm to press your breath out through your mouth in that way, like that. He said, if you do that, that's just a, a tool to, it's like an emergency tool. If you're in a panic attack or something, start with that. And that's the beginning of the first video. And he's got a deal where you, you get a new one each day for three days. And after that, if you want the full course, he's a pretty cool operator. But all you have to do, if you want it free, is go on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, or whatever you do. And advertise it. And if I get five more people who are interested in doing it, you get the course free. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know if I'll get <laughs> five people nibble it. But, I'm, you know, I'm enough of a sucker to think maybe this, I can add this to the toolbox here. And he says, breathe out through a very narrowed throat. <sighs> Let, you know, pull it tight. So anyway, I haven't... I've been doing it in the car. I had to go to the vet, and I was ruminating about the grandson situation and doing that breathing. And overall, because of the tools for so long, I am fine. But I've got this part of my mind that's stirring on the pot. And just, I feel as if I'm kind of two people, one person okay and one person watching the panic. <clears throat> Well, that's a good thing that you've developed this other healthier part that can step back and watch. I would I would count that as healing and growth and progress rather than beating yourself up over it because you're not at the level you want to be yet. Or calling you're completely myself completely healed or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Or yeah. Or calling yourself schizophrenic. Yeah. That's that's not useful. No, it isn't. Okay, Especially well, because you're, you're you're probably based on that description, you're probably much more like a multiple personality disorder than schizophrenic. But you know that's a technicality. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah, multiple personalities. But if you're conscious of both of them, then you're not, right? I thought multiple personalities it's do come one thing. It's just a it's just a joke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, because, well, this you is know, a joke, though. There is. <laughs> People right. don't understand these terms, and they throw them around, and they think they know what they're talking about, and they don't. I'm schizophrenic. Yeah. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, when most people say schizophrenia, they're thinking about somebody who's got a multiple personality disorder. 
and that's I, I'm just joking about it. I'm not intending to start a conversation with you about which is which. <laughs> because you're clearly not either or. So remember yesterday we were talking about the universe and how huge it is. And on page 84 in the Sunberg book, he says, Space-time itself is an invention. Well, of course, what does he mean? But if he's talking about a projection, then, well, I'm not sure what he's talking about. Do you know what he's talking about? Do you remember that part of the book? Did you get that part? I'm sure I've been through that part of the book, but I don't know what you're referring to. Do you want to read a passage? Mm -hmm. I'll read the paragraph which ends with that sentence. And it's one of the essays. And the essay says, the erosion of the ego. So the paragraph is, the unrelenting weather, like weather storms, weather of what is, will always eventually erode the ego. That's such a great idea right there. The unreal, un, just what is will always eventually erode the ego. That is, reality itself is built in such a way that over time, each conscious participant will naturally work their way through their fears to greater states of freedom, creativity, and love. Yay! That process may take a long time or a short time, but the duration of time required is not hugely relevant because space-time itself is an invention. Comments, please. Well, it's just the ancient wisdom that's, you know, there's ancient wisdom that says time itself is the product of thought. Krishnamurti would talk about (laughs) this, and Krishnamurti didn't create this. He had just, you know, had gurus and teachers that would talk about it and then he would meditate about it and see the truth of it for himself so many of these people who've had near-death experiences or pre-life experiences or whatever they come back and they say it seemed like i was there for years it seemed like i was just there for the blink of an eye and yet they were in a coma for a month and so as as christian Sunberg tries to talk about in this work what we're going to be doing with all of this work, his work with the pre-life experience or near-death experience is to talk about things using words to talk about things that exist way beyond anything words can talk about Mm -hmm. so what they're saying is in the realm of the non-physical Time is not linear. And yet, they talk about things as though there's a linear aspect to them. And if you get wrapped up in your conscious logical mind and want to understand that, you'll never get free. You'll be stuck Mm. in a loop of trying to make sense of how can things be linear and nonlinear at the same time. The conscious logical mind is 
based on and created from thoughts that run in that linear fashion and follow certain rules of, uh, you might call it reality or logic. But they don't apply in the non-physical realm. So time is a construct. You know, I, I just flashed on this this thing where Greg Braden wrote a book. I wrote read, read this book many years ago now. And he was talking about going on a search to find some of the oldest, most renowned gurus in existence and interview them, each and every one of them, about what is the true nature of prayer? And how is it that, you know, great masters have talked about reaching the point where they're, prayer, they're praying ceaselessly all day? Well, how could they ever get anything done if they're praying ceaselessly all day? If prayer is, you know, sitting in a church on a pew with your knees bent and aching and hands folded and... <laughs> And so in that process of that story, he talked about being on a trip somewhere in wherever, India or whatever, and they were on a bus on this tour, and they were supposed to be at a certain place in a town that was, let's say, 150 miles away, and the bus broke down. They absolutely needed to be at this place to have this rendezvous happen and there was no way it was physically going to be possible to do it. And eventually they got the bus repaired, but there was no no time, no way possible that they could travel that distance within the allotted time. And the bus started and they seemed to go through some kind of a I don't know, space-time continuum warp or whatever, and all of a sudden they were in the village they needed to be in. Wow. And no one could explain how this happened. And, you know, it's just that kind of thing that many people have experiences like that and talk about them, and everybody just writes it off as, well, this is, you know, just a a, a fluke or, you know, they're, they're hallucinating or it's a, you know, a... a uh, shared hallucination with the people on the bus, et cetera, or they they read the map wrong and they weren't that far away to begin with, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but but that's probably not the truth. The truth is probably that these things happen on a regular basis, and we just rewrite the nature of it to fit with our our belief system, rather than. Mm-hmm open up our belief system to direct observation and say, apparently there's a lot more going on here than I know about. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's a, I forget what book I was reading fairly recently where they're talking about Einstein time and he said, you know, look, we all have the experience of being in a classroom waiting for the end of the class and the last 10 minutes seem to last an hour and a half because it is so boring and we're desperate to get to lunch because we're hungry or we want to go see our boyfriend or girlfriend down the hall or whatever it is. 
And we all have experiences where because we were enjoying what we were doing so much, we were so immersed in it, it seemed to be a 10 or 15 minute thing and we were doing it for an hour and a half or three hours. Yeah. Now, the time (laughs) as we experience it is an internal thought-driven construct. Mm. And people who work more and more on mindfulness and living in the present moment tap into that more thoroughly and more actively. And it's not as shocking for them to open up to start relating to time differently. And as people Part do that, the, they start. Go ahead. I was thinking Part of my of mother-in-law. My mother-in-law, toward the end of her life, was saying, "Why is it the time goes faster and faster?" I have that experience too. That days go faster and so forth. I wonder if it's because my my brain cells are blinking out and they only sort of wake up to notice things when something stimulates them and otherwise I'm asleep or something. But, yeah, you're on to something. It seems like a common phenomenon, though, among older it's people. It's a fairly universal thing, yes. Yes. And when we were a child, the summer used to seem like it lasted forever. Yes. I know. And now, And now the years fly by in less time than it took a semester of a, of a school year. It's a fairly right. universal phenomenon. And what causes it? I don't know. People have all kinds of <laughs> philosophies and scientific explanations for it, but, but it boils down to the fact that it's our experience of time that's more relevant. And as you were reading in that construct of thought. Mm. So we've reached the end of our time. Thank you so much. Uh, again, for helping with comments and questions, I'll mute you so you can listen into the second hour. And I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I'll turn on the microphone for and welcome Jeannie Rice. Thanks again to welcome for. Jeannie Rice. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for playing the show for me yesterday. You're very welcome and deserving. Have a wonderful show. Thank you. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Shifters Radio. And today is, what is today? Today is Thursday, March the 16th, 2023. And our call-in number is 563 Three five eight one and press one, and that puts you into queue to talk to us. And we'd love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And we'll give Michael a moment to dial in, and uh, I'll just give a quick update. Uh, they didn't discharge my dad yet. They're talking about doing that tomorrow, and they'll be sending him over to a rehab facility. The place he was living uh, won't accept condition he's in right now because he's not even using his arms. He's basically moving from his neck up. So hopefully uh, they will be able to do some rehabilitation, get him using his arms, get him swallow right, and then we'll put him in a different facility. So 
Anyway, that's what's going on with him. He's clinically stable. He's declined physically, and um, we'll just see what happens. Take it day at a time. We appreciate your prayers. Welcome, Michael. Hello, Michael. Well, I'm Thank you, not dear sure heart. what's going on. Oh, there he is. I'm here. I made it. Came in and it interrupted us. So welcome, everybody. Delighted that once again we get to play with this amazing first century Aramaic technology. And I'm hoping, thinking that perhaps there might be a few questions. I'm going to put this on hold for a second. Okay, I'm Okay, I'm he's, back. He's had, okay. So, so Linda was calling in. I think she was meaning to call the show number, so I just let her know she was calling my number instead. So... Anyway, as Jeannie says, things have been busy here, and I, uh, Jeannie did separate out that last show that we did on just the whole synopsis. I kind of was like I was on a roll, and I think got a, a really nice synopsis of information on the whole forgiveness process, perception, just the way the whole thing comes together. So you might want to listen to that show more than once. And it's now under the special shows on our website. So you can give it a listen any time that you choose. And that's what we're here to do, to provide the tools, to provide the input and support. It's interesting. I and I'm not sure that I mentioned this the other day or not, but it's been on my mind since I read it. There's some folks that were kind of arguing on Facebook and, and A Course in Miracles group. And apparently Helen Schuckman, the woman who brought the course through, said that the course was only for five or six people, meaning that very few would actually understand what the course means. And, of course, of course... <laughs> because most people are trying to understand it through a construct in their mind called perception, which is totally based in the past and totally false. Anyone who's doing that will never get to actually comprehend the course. And so our objective here is to recognize that words are not here to explain to us the way things work. All words are are reflections of perception, and perception being a construct of the mind from the past and having words to describe what's gone on in the mind from the past will never tell you the truth about the present. And there's a reason why they call it the present, and that's because whenever you're actually there, you get to experience the presence of love, your human life. And when you start to construct your world through that aspect of yourself, then you'll understand the Course and everything else. So the key tool the Course gives, of course, is forgiveness. Coming out of the first century Aramaic language, I had no understanding when I read about forgiveness in the Course. It was just, well, of course, the old thing of you let people off the hook for what's happening inside of you, and that's called forgiveness. 
It wasn't until I understood forgiveness a la first century Aramaic Yeshua's teachings that I really comprehended what was being spoken of with forgiveness. And when we realize that everything is energy and energy when distorted by the presence of energetic patterns that don't belong in it begins to look distorted and diseased. So if there's a particular thought disorder, a particular pattern that affects a particular organ, over the years, somebody looks at it and looks at it and looks at it, and we're going to call this the ABC disease. And, of course, it's physical because we can see the physical, the so-called physical distortion. This is an Einstein on that one. On such things as matter, we've been all wrong. What we've here to call matter is energy. Energy whose vibrations have been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses. There is no matter. So the world of matter does not exist. That's something made up by our brains. If we could see, if we could really see what was in front of our eyes, we'd see this whirring mass of electrons, protons, neutrons, and light. And even that's just some kind of an approximation. We wouldn't see the world of bodies that our brain shows us, that our mind shows us. And of course, if there's a particular pattern distortion, there'll be a particular reflection in tissue of that pattern, and that's what we call the ABC disease. And if you buy the ABC disease, the diagnosis, remember, break that word diagnosis down. A diet is to an agnostic who doesn't, is someone who doesn't know. A diagnostic is to who don't know. Go to 10 diagnosticians, you'll have at least six different diagnoses. Why? Because everybody thinks we're diagnosing the physical. There's no such thing as the physical. And when you realize that what we call the physical is a reflection of an organized state of mind energy, that is a result of your creatorship, then what you want to do is always be moving yourself in the direction of healing. That your thinking is based in healing. You have an ache or a pain in your body. Are you doing your work? Then the ache or the pain in your body is your body processing what needs to be processed. Say thank you for it rather than the world and going, oh my God, I wonder what's wrong. I've got symptoms. Oh no, I'm going to die. Isn't that the game of the world? Run off to the doctor. To really start to utilize your mind constructively so that Everything that doesn't bring about a thought that comes from the presence of love, you apply forgiveness. And you discipline yourself and your mind to always be thinking from that state of being of love, from that mind rather than the mind of the body, the mind of the past. Carbon-based memory, the mind of man. Remember that story of Peter, you know, he's, he's allowed to bring a sword to the Garden of Gethsemane and he goes after the high priest servant. And he's going to stop the whole scenario that's about to unfold between Yeshua and the high priest servant. It's interesting, in that very circumstance, 
Yeshua addresses his dear friend Peter as Satan. Whew, that's a pretty heavy-duty insult. Then, and, and nobody wants to do this because why is everybody into the devil made me do it? Or why are so many people into the devil made me do it? Because by being born in this world, you were brought up as a card-carrying member of the one world religion of blame. The devil made me do it. Satan. Well, notice that Yeshua calls Peter Satan. And he says, get thee behind me. In other words, you're not going to be the thing that leads my mind. And Satan in Aramaic, by the way, means the resistor, one who misleads. Peter's, or Yeshua is saying, you're not going to lead my mind. Get behind me. Get out of my way. And then he defines what he means by Satan. Remember that passage? Get thee behind me, Satan, for you think in the mind of man rather than the plan of the creator. You're not tuned into the thoughts based in love here. You're tuned into the mind of perception constructed from the past, reflecting generations and generations and generations that have lived in this one world religion of blame all of their lives. So to really begin to discipline your mind to live in the energetic patterns that when you're connected to them mean that everything works to support you in your life. Notice how many thoughts the world has fed you about how this can go wrong and that can go wrong. You gotta be careful about this and you gotta be careful about that and you gotta do this and you gotta and you gotta and you gotta and you gotta and you gotta. Stop it. Make sure that the only mind you think with is a conscious, active, present mind of love and set up the energy patterns that build your physiology so that no matter what happens, you stay connected. Then you'll be one of those five or six who actually understand what the course is about. So, Miss Jeannie, do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room? We've got Miss Aria today, which is pretty sweet. She picked me flowers on the way here this morning. So that was pretty cool. Was talking about spring and everything blooming. and that She was excited to have warm weather today. Yes, our peach tree is blooming out gorgeous flowers and it's a little premature Green. because it looks like we're going to have some 20 or so degree weather in the next week or so but I guess they they know what they're doing yeah, it looks like Saturday night we're supposed to be 19 degrees here over <laughs> So we've been covering the peach tree. Anyway, Jeannie, what's happening? Well, it'd help if I'd unmute myself, right? <laughs> it would. I'd be able to hear you then. Yeah. So um, nobody has, well, Susan's hands up, but I think she was talking to Dr. Kim, but I'll turn her on, turn her microphone on. Welcome, Susan. There you go. Good catch. Hey, young lady. <laughs> Jeannie said you were on that show the day before yesterday. 
Was I in a role or what? That was fun. Hello, Susan. Away from her phone. <laughs> yeah, probably. So his hand was probably up with Doc, from Dr. Tim. So I put a, a direct link uh, to the uh, edited version in today's notes as well, so that people can click on that. It um, explains the forgiveness and collapsing of the mind and perception and all that stuff. It was excellent. You did a good job, baby. Yeah, I thought it came together really well. I was like, ooh, you know when you're on it. <laughs> so if someone That's a show one, that, yeah, you'll be first yeah, in line. Okay. No waiting. I was just going to say that's a show that somebody, you know, you should download that and keep it on your phone. And if you're new to the work or you've only been involved for two or three or five or 10 or 15 years, listen to it at least once a week. And what will develop out of that and the practice that will come from it will be mind-boggling in taking your work to the next level. Sometimes, and this is more and more recently, for me personally, spent 50 years developing this, and it's in the last two or three years that the deepest levels of work have happened, and several times in just the last year, it's been like, oh, I'm finally starting to get this. I'm finally starting to understand. where what perception does is it takes what it wants, throws away the rest, and only does the work, you know, in most cases, when it's forced to. Who wants to look at those old generational patterns, blame and guilt, and those power person dynamics, of rage and fear and hurt and rejection and loss, all the crazy stuff that's gone on in pretty much all of our lives. I did get a text earlier today from someone who is doing the course of uh, the codependent uh, self-study intensive, and he's actually going to call in tomorrow. But um, he said that he was just getting so many changes in his dynamics, how they run his life. But so it was a crucial email sitting him. So you know that's one of the things that we're offering right now. We're still not sure about the Heartland Intensive. If you're interested in that, please let us know sooner than later so we can get planning. But uh, I was trying to find him in that to read what he said. Uh, yeah, if you're ready to take your work to the next level, one of the most current offerings we have to intensify your work is we have a... Uh, self-study course, Codependence to Interdependence, that includes the workshops in a pretty deep process-oriented format. Why is this happening to me again? Healing through relationships. Communication, did you hear what I think I said? And Codependence to Interdependence. And it's a self-study video series that includes actually two full intensives. All of the teaching work, all of the question-answer session, sessions, all of the processing. 
So if you're uh, really ready to key in and do the next level of your work, or if you were part of the intensive when you did it online, here's my suggestion. Go back to the video links. Look at your... Um, your personal code evaluation scores and do it again. Go through the videos again. They're going to have a whole other level of meaning and I'm saying that from experience. I taught it and I've been listening to some of it and it's like, oh, geez. It's like each time that you hear it, the mind, perception, can get closer to building an accurate picture and you go, oh, I got it. And then you understand why it's so important to collapse what perception does to make space for direct input, direct information coming from the mind. So if that's something that you're ready to do, you could call me if you've got my number or you could drop Jeannie a note, J-E-A-N-I-E at W-H-Y again.org, genie at whyagain.org, and give her your name and phone number and tell her you're interested, and I'll call you and we'll get you set up to do it. It includes two personal code evaluations, the beginning and the completion point of the intensive, and literally 90 hours, well, actually it's 89 hours to be precise, 89 hours of video of two full Codependence to Interdependence 17 week workshops. And it includes a link to our private Fresh and Raw Facebook page, an important part of upgrading your physiology to the next level is to the next level is you've got to feed it properly. You know, if, you, if your nutrition is off base, then you're never going to work through, you're never going to heal what needs to be healed because the energy solvency needs to be there to process and deal with and move through what it is that you need to deal with. And most people head toward poorer and poorer and poorer nutrition. It's called the SAD diet, standard American diet. That's how common it is. Virtually everybody goes to the grocery store and they buy this box of stuff or this can of stuff and they go, oh, I have food in my hand. Shocker. Food comes from the ground, it doesn't come from a can, doesn't come from a box, doesn't come from a bottle. And so the food program is part of it, and Yarate, thank you so much, Yarate, it's a raw food chef, put together the menus for that whole 17-week intensive three meals a day, fresh and raw, what do you need for equipment, What? when do you buy the food, what do you need to buy, how do you do this, videos, audios, commentary, questions answered, still available for answering questions, and you get a, uh, a an app to put on your phone or your computer with a whole recipe book. So you've got pictures and recipes, how to put it all together, and now, we're not saying, oh, you've got to become a raw foodist or anything, but if you start to integrate more actual food in its 
a, a way other than the denatured way that our culture serves it to us, the processed way that it's served to us, then you build nutritional solvency. And in, in a state of nutritional solvency, your body can move energetic patterns the way they're designed to move. And so each aspect of that self-study course reinforces and strengthens each other aspect so that you end up processing and moving forward. I got a call from someone this morning who, in a, a relatively new relationship and past relationships, it's always been, oh, got to get rid of them, got to get rid of them. Look what they're doing to me. And this is someone that's doing the codependence to independence self-study. And he just shared last night how in his relationship, each of them are moving into deeper and deeper states of ownership, processing, forgiveness, and literally turning in their cards, you know, their membership cards, the one world church of blame, the one world religion. And when you think about the one world religion, you know, a lot of churchianities sitting around shuddering in fear and talking to each other about how terrible it's going to be when this one world religion takes over. Excuse me, the one world religion took over almost from day one. It's been here for thousands of years. It's a one world religion to blame. When did it start? Well, the earliest record we have of the one world religion to blame started when the whole thing happened in the garden. You know, they say it was the apple in the tree. It was actually the pear on the ground. But you remember some of the earliest words out of Adam's mouth were, God, that woman that you gave me. <laughs> it's like, God, you're the problem, and you gave me that woman, and that woman is the problem. That blame game is still going on on the planet. How long has the one world religion of blame been operating? Oh, my God, forever. We were all brought up in it. We are all card-carrying members. And it's not an easy one to quit. I mean, you can just see it. I mean, if you're watching the news lately, you can just see. I mean, even some of the, what are called the top, most powerful, wealthiest, richest billionaires in the world are playing this victim blame game. Well, look, oh, look what they're doing to me. And none of this is my, well, I am the most powerful. I've got the best ideas. I've got the best words. I, only I can figure it out, but can't figure out his own life. <laughs> oh, I'm a victim. Look what they're doing to me. I'm not mentioning any names because that, could, that description could apply to more than one person. But, you know, take a look. It's, it's like in true living color and Dolby sound all over the globe. And the day you take a breath and go, oh, and you want to blame somebody, you go, oh, I'm wanting to blame somebody for what's going on inside of me. I want to believe it's their fault that I'm feeling this, that my physiology is generating this. Growing up out of the childhood game of lame into adulthood is not an easy task. But it's one that everybody sooner or later has to do. And the codependence to interdependence, self-study intensive, is one of the ways of doing that. So if you're ready to take it to the next level, let us know you want to register. The cost of doing the 
the whole self-study with the evaluations with the food program and all is $600. It was actually originally an $1,800 online intensive. And you get all that online work, all that online conversation, all that online processing and teaching from not one but two intensives. And the next time we do another online codependence to interdependence, your membership in that will also be included for that $600. It's a pretty good deal. 90 hours of video. What's that? Well, it's, it's not for the included with it. It's $600 off of the cost of the next online intensive. Oh, that's right. Pardon me. Yes, you're right. Yeah, whatever you've invested here comes off of the cost of the next. So, yeah. So this one, becomes, the self-study becomes free, actually, if you do an online intensive. Thank you for reminding me of that. I just have this old mindset of I want to give it away and give it away and give it away and give it away so that everybody on the planet has it. And sometimes I have to be reminded that we have to pay the bills. And if this is benefiting you, we invite you to support us to assist us in doing that, especially since we're not on the road anymore and uh, you know, things have changed a little bit. So did you find that, uh, that gentleman? I did. did. How cool. And like sure I said, he's going to call in tomorrow. But he says, I'm at the point in the program of writing letters to my power person. I'm describing how I will follow my own advice. I have written, oh, I've just got a call from the hospital, so I'm going to switch over. Okay, I'll take it here. So they're supposed to be releasing Jeannie's dad from the hospital tomorrow and just all kinds of stuff going on. Where is he going to go? He's going to have to go to rehab. He's actually been doing quite well, and uh, one of the challenges he's had with what's going on in his body is that his muscles have been weakening and his swallowing hasn't been proper. And in not swallowing properly, he's been aspirating food into his lungs, and that means that lungs go to infection. And that sort of laid him low and has uh, landed him in the hospital. So if you would, send love in the direction of James Blaine Morris right here in Bristol, Virginia. He could use the support, and so could we. It's been a pretty intense time. And uh, actually this afternoon we're going over to pick up his uh, new wheelchair and some of his things from the rehab or from the residential facility that he's been in to take them to the rehab that he's going to. And it looks like we're going to be having to move all his furniture out and move him to a new facility because he's not going to have the same, or at least depending how the therapy goes, he doesn't appear like he's going to quite have the same level of uh, competence that he had. And so he's going to need a new level or a new depth of care. So if you're out there in listener land, our call-in number is 563 999-3581. If you call that number, you're listening to the show live if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you. And then if you push one, we'll be having a conversation. So you will probably have to get back on if anybody's pushed one. And one of the things I've been working on, we've been dealing with a lot of people with the Avison conversation. And 
you might recall that I did a training for the Avison Corporation for their medical um, uh, practitioners on sympathetic parasympathetic balance in the body. And just the last day or so, there have been I've had a, a lot of intense conversations with a lot of people about their experience with the Avison and how when people are in fight, flight, freeze, fawning mode, fear mode, to survive, blood is shunted to the larger muscles in the arms and the legs to empower us to fight or run, and to the lungs to allow us to take in more oxygen to fuel that fight. But that's not a healthy or normal state for the human form. It's become the norm in much of this culture. And in in the medical world, this sympathetic dominant state has come to been, been thought of as a state of physical alertness and a physical problem. But actually, what we call sympathetic dominance is actually a generational complex of thought disorders that interprets the world in a way that puts us in that fear, flight, fright, freeze, or fawning mode. And so while you know the Avison tends to shift people into parasympathetic mode, so the rest, digest, regenerate functions of the structure take over. If and and so physiologically, it's a, like a monumental step forward in vitality and function. But sooner or later, the thought disorders have to be handled. And there's only one way that I know that you can consistently, persistently remove thought disorders that produce this survival mode, and that is to remove the mind energy from the tissue. You remember we've talked about the work of Bruce Lipton, where Lipton shows us that when you think a thought, that thought produces a molecule called a neuropeptide, and that neuropeptide circulates around in the cell, in the structure, pardon me, until it finds the cell with a receptor site that matches. The neuropeptide, the molecule, lands on a receptor site on the cell and inserts itself in the cell. And that neuropeptide in the cell looks like the presence of chemistry that changes the so-called chemistry of the cell. But it's actually mind energy appearing as chemistry. Now, if you go to the opening words in John, you know, when you go to the Aramaic, the wisdom that's in those books is just monumental. But the Greeks, well, if Yeshua sat in most places where they talk about the Greek so-called translations, which are really not translations but interpretations, Yeshua would say, that's all Greek to me. It described the, the Greek constructs about those ancient teachings are all perceptual constructs of the mind from the past. 
and in the Aramaic, you don't get the truth. You're not told what the truth is. That's something that you can't do with words because words are reflections of perceptions and perceptions are just constructs of the mind. That's why it's so important to understand how to collapse a pained construct and to access what underlies it, to clean it up. That's the forgiveness process. Forgiveness, pardon me, process. So of sympathetic dominance where digestion doesn't work properly, elimination doesn't work properly, red blood cell production doesn't work properly, the, 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 the liver is converting glycogen to sugar, so there's lots of sugar to run the system so you can fight and, and escape, tends to lead to blood sugar problems. Well, when you handle the mind energy that keeps the whole structure on alert and in sympathetic dominance, Ah, finally, you can take a breath and relax. And you remove the destructive fear-based chemistry from structure. That's what forgiveness does. And then you turn on all of those rest, digest, and thrive functions of the energy system, of the so-called body. And the only way I know to consistently, persistently do that work is a la first century Aramaic forgiveness. So anyone who's in any kind of pain or trauma is in pain or trauma. I mean, short of somebody coming and punching them in the nose, cancel the thought. If someone's in pain or trauma, they're in pain and trauma because there is the mind energy of pain and trauma within them. Forgiveness removes those dynamics and puts us on a different track. So that is what we're here to support. And Miss Jeannie's back. I can tell her phone's fluttering. <laughs> yeah, but thank you. Excuse you, me. Uh, okay. Good. How'd it go? What they say? Um, everything okay? Um, yeah, he, they had done, he had complained of abdominal pain, and so they did a, a scan of his abdomen, and he's got a slight blockage, so... He's. Um, I guess they're going to wait and see if he has a movement before they're going to even think of letting him go. So we'll see how that goes. Of course, they have him getting hydrated. You know, he's not drinking water. Of right. course, it's going to tend to block up. I, I don't. I don't know what to do with that except get on them again. And right. Somebody's got to sit there and feed him or get drink, get him to drink and drink and drink and drink. Otherwise, his stool's going to dry out and it's going to be hard to clear his body of it. Yeah. I'll have to take uh, Aria over and hydrate. Aria will teach him to hydrate <laughs> yeah. again. <laughs> she loves to feed him. <laughs> so. Yeah. So anyway, back to the letter. Um, he says, I'm at the point of the program of writing letters to my power person describing how I'm going to follow my advice to them. I've written about 10 so far, and I'm re-listening to the videos. My mind feels more unified and really aware of how my mind is running on internal perception. I'm coming up on week eight. I'm at a point of doing each worksheet real slow, 8 to 15 minutes per worksheet, breathing deeply and emptying and listening to inner resistance, getting headway and going deeper and deeper, trying to be wise about this process and asking for guidance from Ruka Dakutcha because 
The tricky part is the mind is a real survivor. Um, yes, the goal disparity of not achieving really brings on stress. So when I cancel, I get a lot of relief and then reframe the goal in a more loving way. Since I've been back in Indiana for almost five years, I have literally faced everything and then more. I do realize and accept with clarity that this is my next level of growth. The path has really narrowed down, and I'm grateful to do to do know love is the only way out of this weird mental construct dilemma. And on some level, I accepted this path. I feel like I'm on some spiritual cleanup crew or something, or an analogy of being blindfolded and dropped into an unknown territory with nothing but my intuition and all the struggles involved. I dug deeper inside to approach my core essence, to test my resolve. Kind of like before they launch new software, they try to break it to fix it. (laughs) But yes, at a young age, I really did want to help other people and heal other people, and I felt extreme bliss and love as a child. But then I found myself playing the role in my strange family dynamics, which was the optimal place to really grow in the long term. But it became a trap. By canceling these goals, my stress does decrease significantly, and I do around 2 to 10 worksheets a day. I feel this aspect of the false survival self is retiring due to my anger being reduced after each worksheet. Thank you for sharing your story. I greatly appreciate it, and the goal explanation is really clear. I'm also running into groups of people as my power people due to how they synchronize and behave just like my family and my high school friends. So... I hear you talking, but you're muted. I was just saying how shocking, you know, the gentleman I spoke about who's doing the codependence work that's really moving to and getting it on a whole new level. And uh, our conversation this morning is, isn't it awesome how finely tuned the world is to giving us opportunities to learn forgiveness? Like it's almost like that's the purpose of the world. And, of course, I say that tongue-in-cheek because it is the purpose of the world. And how exactly life can hone in, send somebody in. Of course, it's because of that law of resonance, and resonance creates motion. You know, in the inanimate world, it simply creates motion. If I have a middle C tuning fork and I hit it on a desk and I put it through near a second middle C tuning fork that's still that second middle C tuning fork is going to start to vibrate. It's going to fire. It's going to move. In the human realm, we add a whole other level to that law of resonance, and that is that when there's something we need to heal, someone who's got the matching bag of garbage is going to move toward us. And it's going to be motivated to do behaviors that will kick us right square in that very, very tiny, precise, specific limitation. (laughs) So we get a chance to look at it again. And sooner or later, as one does their work, they stop being a member of the one world religion of blame. Oh, is this your fault? Is this his fault? This is her fault. It's my boss's fault. It's my customer's fault. It's my children's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's God's fault. It's my spouse's fault. Or it's my fault. You got to give all that up and finally go, oh, this belongs to me, and I'm going to apply forgiveness and remove this energy pattern from me. And that's what that whole self study is about. 
is going through that process. And, and once again, I know there are several people who listen to the show regularly who were part of the original online intensives. And I might just go back and start the intensive all over from video one. Go back once again, review, and you might want to, if you've got a, a personal code evaluation, if you've, you've done more than one intensive, you may have a personal code evaluation available to you that you know they, they stack up and they're there for you. You can go in and you can log into the letter yagain.org. Not WHY here, but just the letter yagain.org if you've done intensive and you can log in. It's usually with your email address and then your last name. It's usually your password. Or if you don't remember your password, then you know hit the button that says forgot it and reset it. And go ahead and do an evaluation. If you do that, Drop us a note, let us know when it's complete, and we'll get it marked up and get your feedback. Uh, take it, and then once you've got a, a fresh personal code evaluation, and or you can connect with us if you want to do uh, an evaluation. We actually sell a package of two, and they're $100, and you do it online. And we'll give you feedback and a, a couple of hours of video that walk you through exactly what your evaluation means and gives you several assignments specific geared to exactly what it is that you're dealing with. And so go for it and start the videos from number one all over again, and I promise you it's going to have a whole new world of meaning compared to what it had during the actual intensive. So rock and roll, and we're down to about 17 or 18 minutes, so if you're out there in listener land, let's have a conversation. Our call-in number again, 563-999-3581. Call that number. You'll be listening to the show directly if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you. And then if you push one, that will raise a hand in the control panel, and we'll have a conversation. And we have a hand. So, Miss Amy, oh, great. Let's say hello. Uh, 864, I believe. It's Joe. You're on the air. Hey, what's going on? Hey there, young man. What <laughs> of the five or six? Tell us what's on your mind today. <laughs> I was just talking just about you. more, just you know, more of the same. To the uh, the opportunity to work on my forgiveness on 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 forgiveness of I, I I have such anxiety that will just surface and continue to surface. Um, that is a, a really a you know separate worksheet or a separate. I don't know what the right word is, separate condition, but as you and I had talked, uh, had some real good uh, conversation with Susan and um, just just kind of clarifying a situation, you know, that, that was projected and one person has their interpretation I have mine. She had hers. Everybody's and got a reality. And, yeah, everybody's got a reality, and uh, it's just okay. Let, let's let's peacefully lay this down and, and take a look at it. 
and um, but I can tell you that after you know even even now since that happened this morning or yet last night is it's it's just I'm amazed at how part of me just wants to run or just abandon the you know just run just get away from yep. us. Yeah, um, just like with your power, you know, person, right? Yeah. If I yeah, could just exactly. get out of Let's here, then everything would be okay. Exactly. Yep, everything will be all right. Yeah. I'll go. You know, the big lie. So, uh, you know, yeah, yep. So, uh, anyhow. So Good breath. Yeah, yeah. And then... Uh, uh, other than that, I mean, uh, yeah, I, Addison is performing. Um, matter of fact, I'm just headed home right now where I'll do a 15, 20-minute, uh, I think uh, probably on my left hand. but And it's certainly I, – I can't say that I, I don't have enough time in. I guess I've had it a couple weeks now and trying to do it at least twice a day. So. Yeah, I'd up that uh, time to 30 minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I will say this. I, I do think my bowels uh, are moving uh, differently, which is right. always a good thing. So Yes. Um, the, the and you were saying there's some made. shifts going on in your, your shoulder and your – is it your shoulder, your arm, yeah. and your back? My, yeah, my lower back, I, you know, had more tingling back there that, you know, oh, that, that used to be, as you know, you and I have talked, that – that used to be a chronic uh, issue, and it's not anymore. And now this seems to be enhancing even more so. Where it's, it's awesome. My shoulder. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, my sh- my shoulder uh, is going to take more time. Like I said, in terms of, but I but I do I cannot cannot uh, evaluate it just yet. Just gotta up the time and, and consistently use it. I think that's the biggest challenge because it's funny because you once you put your, your hand in the machine and you turn it on, then you're, of course, you know, the phone rings and it's over in the kitchen and you're in the living room or, you know, invariably some, oh, well, I wish I could go get that. It's like, no, just just sit here and do this. So, so. And, of course, you do, you do know that if you, like, you know, somebody comes to the bar, would have the button in the center on the right if you hit it. It releases your hand, yeah. just puts it on and pause, and you can go take care of something, and, you know, so that's easy. But um, what I was going to ask you to do, and it, it might be inspiring for everybody uh, to hear about what happened during the intensive you had shared with me a while oh. back about what yeah, happened in your back. back and just how strange that was, but it would be cool if you'd share that. Well, that was that was one of those moments where you know, uh, growing up Catholic and and uh, American, watching TV, watching evangelistic things, uh, you know, he, uh, faith healers and laying of hands and speaking in tongues and these kind of things. And I can uh, the way the story unfolded for me, we were at an intensive and uh, I was sitting on the couch and you were speaking and. Literally, my lower back 
was like reconfiguring the way it it just felt very liquidy it felt that things were changing or moving around it was a dimension of of something that it's it's hard to describe dimensions because you know we live in this like you always say you know we live in this three-dimensional world and when i moved into this other dimension of of what was happening trying to describe it now it's just a phenomenon where my back didn't hurt anymore or it hasn't hurt like it used to it just and that's why I, you know i couldn't help but share that with you to say you know this was and then you know there wasn't any kind of it was just a, the time for it to happen and it happened uh, so i i find myself turning into some kind of a you know double blind study scientist type of guy and i want to know you know how it happened because i want the repeatability and it's like joe right you're overthinking it just just you know be the witness to what happened and as a result of that happening michael and Jeannie, it, it's just my back is not the same it's it's nice and i yep. you know did a lot of work about through my power person my mother uh, at that intensive and uh you know there again i i find myself thinking about dimensions that we live in uh, or that we're aware of or or really what i believe in the three-dimensional certainly you know you were there i'm over here and uh and, and the distance between this and that you know once once you get into healing healing becomes very dimensional and god only knows I mean, uh, how many dimensions there could be or, or, you know, it's interesting. I heard yesterday Joe Dispenza talking about vertical uh, past, present, future, or no, horizontal past, present, future. That's usually how I think of it. But if I turn that on its axis and now we're vertical, past, present, and future are in the present moment all the time. There we are. So that helped me to say oh okay there's a dimensional type of issue there that i'm looking at and now whoop there's a shift now everything's happening at the present moment and how how many of the possibilities or the the creations that i'm responsible for are happening um in that present moment and then the thing with my back you know again i just it's uh You've always said that, you know, willingness is cosmic grease and um, pain makes your ears grow. And in both both those phrases lies my healing of my lower back. And I'm a tall 6'5 guy, uh, you know, not to mention I'm good looking, uh, uh, as, as you well know. Oh, of course, yeah. We, and, uh, and funny. Yeah. <laughs> and funny. Uh, the comic, right? You, you, ha- you hold the title for comedy. Thank you. We all Thank acknowledge that. We, we all the whole well, world acknowledges you, that. You you gotta you gotta be who you are. I mean, I mean let's face it, you are outstanding in your field. That field over there on the left. That field over there on the left. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So, but, no, no, yeah, left, no, left field, uh, left field. Sorry, sorry, oh, left field. yeah, no, 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 yeah, no. Always <laughs> center. I can play center too, but the yeah, you know right. the old hamstrings just can't keep up. So anyway, well, for me, what what was resonating in when you shared with me how 
literally that transmutation happen in your back from a, a fairly intense, painful place where you're sitting there and mm. literally you can feel it moving, you really get back to, to me, what that takes me to is this is actuality that mind energy becomes flesh and when I change my mind energy, my flesh changes. And when I have those, a sensitive moment where that piece of work is ready to be done, when I put myself Mm. in the environment, I go for it. I mean, the changes are what, you know, if somebody had had a, a, an x-ray machine taking continuous x-rays yeah. of what was going on with that tissue, it was one set of bones one minute, and five minutes later, those bones were not the same structure. And we say, well, but bones, hard, physical stuff. No, it's not. It's energy. And, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it's, it's interesting. In, in Montessori education, they don't, they don't have a, um, a structure where, you know, everybody who's four has to learn to add and everybody who's five has to be able to write the alphabet and everybody who's six has to be. The education in Montessori is very individual. And Mm. what they have at a Montessori school is they have environments, like they've got a math environment and a science environment and a a, a geography environment. And so, you know, little Johnny might be four and they're trained to watch for his sensitive period. And when he's in a sensitive period to learn math, they'll take Johnny at four and put him in a, a math environment and he'll learn math that most kids won't learn in regular schools until grade eight. And in grade eight, they'll mm-hmm. struggle and fight and, you know, to try to get it. But in that sensitive period, they'll learn in a, in a minute. What otherwise, yeah. when it's being forced down their throats and they're not in a sensitive period, might take years or they might never learn because of the resistance in it. And so what I see when people are ready to do their work, when they're in a sensitive period, they, if they will put themselves in the environment, they'll sit down with the pen and the paper and they'll use the tools and they'll remember to breathe and, and they'll listen to, you know, whatever the, the piece of information is that's going to lead to that opening. They'll do that worksheet in that sensitive period. I mean, literally tissue is one structure, one minute, and 10 minutes later, it's a totally different piece of tissue because we don't and, have and, tissue, we have energy. Right. So. See, that, but that discussion takes away the dimension. You know, they just, are you still there? I lose you. I'm here. The, the, this, this whole idea of different dimensions, I guess what, I'm, what for me in listening to what you just said is, is dimensions – are like possibilities it, it's this is the way i think you know you break your arm you set the arm and that's how it gets healed you know the these are the conventional the, these are the methods that we know based on our history that how we should address this this healing but this in this case it wasn't addressed in in some conventional oh i went to therapy for and then i got a shot of cortisone this happened right outside of that but but not so much that not so much outside of that that it uh, i don't know what i'm trying to say in terms of the uh dimensional aspects of it it's this sort of my belief system is, but, you know, yeah 
Yeah. Well, my offering is that what you did in that moment is you were ready to deal with the mind energy that created the anomaly in tissue. You know, we've talked about Dr. John yeah. Sarno, back surgeon, who has the best definition yeah. of back pain that I know of, and that is that back pain is unconscious rage. And so when I'm ready to mm. deal with that, the structure that the doctor looks at and says, oh, yes, of course, this is painful, when I change what's that cause for that structure, the structure changes. And the doctor would look at mm. it and go, well, that's perfectly fine. What's going on? What are you, what are you talking about? And, and yeah. to, to recognize that that's the skill we need to develop. Right. That's what, you know, that in, the intensive, that's what the radio show is about is, is creating an energy environment where when somebody's ready for a shift, you support them to do it, and bingo. Mm. I mean, literally, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's beyond any kind of rational explanation until you get to understanding energy and how energy works and how the mind works. Yeah, that, 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 that discussion of energy is not something that I can't turn to, you know, my significant other and explain it. I just, I don't, you know, it's much like I'm not going to turn to somebody and explain the Aramaic interpretation of the Bible or somebody who's a, you know, born again Christian. That's okay. You know, you, you know, I'm not here to, it's not a debate. It's just somebody's BS versus somebody else's BS, you know? Yeah. Well, and it might be, you know, there might come a point where Susan's going to be ready to uh, to do that uh, codependence intensive and take her whole process to the next level, too. So we'll hold space if that's uh, ever appropriate. Amen. And a woman. <laughs> Talk to you again. All right, my friend. Have a blessed one. Love you guys. Bye. All right. Appreciate you. Take care. So, everybody, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you and having the opportunity to connect and carry forward this awesome conversation, holding the space for you to have the best year yet of your eternal life. And the fact that you're capable of doing that and giving that gift to the world, which the world is in desperate need of, can help to make shifts in the world that are beyond what we could even imagine. So millions yet unborn will benefit from the work you do. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet as we present the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on MindShifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.